Hey guys, this was an awesome podcast to record. Had a great time with my friend Chris Decker, a tremendous local influencer in the Orange County startup scene. Uh, just create some great media. We get into his programming past that I actually wasn't aware of, and that was really interesting and cool to find out. He talks about his new company at SalesCast that's helping promote pods for business professionals and how he thinks that's changed in the business landscape. And I can definitely vouch for the experience of creating YouTube episodes and podcasts like this really helping me get my name out there. So uh, I want to thank him in advance for coming on. And if you need help with any insurance needs, please reach out and hope you enjoy. Hey guys, this is Broker Brett. I'm on with the one and only Lee Decker, Christopher Decker, who has taught me a ton, has always been very gracious with his time, uh, who even helped out me and my Broker Brews buddies when we had nobody showing up to events and he had a couple hundred people at OC Tech Cafe Hours. Thank you for always being welcoming, Chris. I appreciate you, man. How are you doing today? Hey, thank you, Broker Brett. And really excited to be chatting with you today. I mean, I'm excited to see your growth and and now taking your podcast off the ground. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. So we uh, we decided to hit record kind of quick as I was rambling about being, you know, nine episodes and 250 listens in. I was like, I don't know if that's a lot or I don't know if that's a little. And Chris was saying I was paying attention to the wrong thing. So I figured we'd just hit the record button and jump in from there. Yeah, I, I think it's it's not the right metric to think about downloads for your podcast. I think about audience generated and and the relationships that i build with a guest that i have onto my show so the way it would work is i identify who are the guests that i really want on my show are these ideal client prospects are these community leaders are these things that are these people that my audience look up to and as i develop each one of those relationships it's my goal to, for them to feel like they could become a net promoter of, of the show and share it on their social networks, which in, in turn actually grows the total show base. And then in terms of audience downloads, things like that, I have, I have a simple framework. So you have like earned media, you have paid media, then you have like media that you own. In this case, when you're building a subscriber audience on your podcast, that goes into the, the, the earned media category, meaning that people have found you, they're subscribing, they're downloading, but their information and data is still stored inside of iTunes or wherever they happen to be streaming from. It's your job as the show host and as the podcast to figure out how to go f- cross that threshold from earned media into media that you own, which is when you get their email address or their SMS phone number. And then paid media over here is when, you know, a sponsor will actually sponsor a show and a podcast. And what they're trying to do is drive traffic into their media that they own category. Or on your case, if you ever decide to do paid ads to help promote your show on YouTube or wherever you happen to, um, once they fall into the bucket of media that you own, then I truly consider that a download or a subscriber. Anywhere up in this universe where, where they're, they're interacting, on a social, interacting on a social platform or interacting with an ad, it, it, it all pretty much doesn't matter until you have either their email address or phone number. 
That makes sense because it's kind of a vanity metric. And even when you hop in the dashboard, it's kind of gamified and it's fun to see where the little bubbles are on the United States. And for me, it's all new and novel right now. So I'm just enjoying that. And it's kind of, I definitely put in the COVID, you know, hobby category where you're slightly bored. There's downtime. I heard there was a hundred thousand like podcasts launched. I want to say in like May, you know, with this free time that we have right now. Um, but I do want to flip it over to Salescast before we get into it too much. I'm helping build a scratch agency. I'm working with a couple of startups. I have time. I enjoy tinkering. But I feel like for a lot of professionals, their time is way more well suited working on their business, working, you know, getting things organized. And it sounded like Salescast was set up to help them have just a phenomenal podcast experience out the gate, you know, be true professionals across the board with them. Absolutely. Um, I'll start out with the SalesCast vision. And I actually just had this at a recent executive meeting amongst, um, amongst uh, the executives at SalesCast. Our ultimate vision is to impact at the highest level. We are on track to work closely with the top 10 change makers globally and use the art of story to transcend barriers and empower 100 million people to step out of isolation and into acceptance. Within the first year, we're looking to transform how B2B sales are done. And within the first year, we're going to have a self-managing team that, that gets the job done and over services and over delivers for our clients. And we're going to build a fully functioning MVP software backend for a light CRM and the uploading of content. Um, within three years, then we're expanding to total like sales industry. I, I believe that a podcast is going to be very similar to just having an Instagram account as a salesperson. You're going to be judged by the value of your network and the people that you know. Um, and by being able to have a podcast as a place to collect that and reflect that, um, it's just going to continue to grow from there. And uh, I, I really think every single salesperson, uh, just like having an Instagram or a LinkedIn account is going to need a podcast. And I'm, I'm betting on that future. Now, how are we going to get there? Honestly, the modern day problem with sales is the outreach component. It's easier than ever to throw people into an email sequence. It's easier than ever to connect with them on LinkedIn and try and sell them something. And this has really created a cynical market where they don't want to hear from you anymore. And you're instantly rejected. You're instantly unsubscribed from, and you're blocked. And I'm sure that many salespeople listening to this can really empathize with that if you're trying to promote something new. What I'm saying is that people deserve to be considered as relationships, not leads. So when you're coming to the table with the value of a podcast, you're saying, check, here's my audience. Here's the people that subscribe and follow this. And I would like to interview you and, and get your thoughts and have you promote yourself on our platform. All of a sudden, the roles are completely reversed. You're not asking them for anything. You're giving them something. And it completely changes the dynamic of that relationship. When we tap into the human need for connection, we attract more of the right kind of people. When we shift from numbers-driven salespeople to relational servant leaders, we can sell effortlessly. When we see people's passion for people rekindled. Our clients here at SalesCast become empowered leaders. They understand how to lead a rebellion, resistance, and become a change maker who is confident in their movement instead of thinking their idea is dumb. A lot of entrepreneurs are just sitting in isolation and our job is to help them step out of that 
And if I can help someone step out of isolation, I've done my job. I want to transform how everybody on the planet sells. I want to stop treating people like leads and users and instead build long-term relationships. I want to help people become established as thought leaders and skip the line in the trust funnel and go straight from relationship to sale. And usually when one of my clients experiences something like this, it lights them the F up. It changes them. And it goes against the grain of the salesperson mindset from calling people to sell them to leading them. And then they call you. I think it's solid, man. And you hit the nail on the head with the relationship component. Um, I've been doing a YouTube episode every two weeks for something called insurance nerds. Yeah. And that I was super tactical. And it was my friend, Nick Lamparelli who pointed out, he's like, it's not about who watches it. No one's going to pay attention. And that kind of doesn't matter. It's who you get to reach out to, who you get to network with. And then, you know, I, I balk at the influencer thing. I think you want to keep earning it. And if anything, you want to like carry yourself, you want to kind of hide a little bit. You want to have a few more cards in your deck than you're showing. Mm. You, know, you always want to be substantive, but the broker Brett stuff has opened so many doors. And I just, I mean, I get free tools, early access. There's one in SureTech that I'm going to literally be the first person to sell their product on their platform. Oh, and wow. that's all because of this goofy stuff. And I think it's a really competitive, cool product. So, you know, the articles, YouTube, now doing an audio podcast, I definitely see substantive help, but you still got to remember the classic side of the business too. And the guy I'm relaunching Newport Beach Insurance Center with has ran a nationwide agency before, hired, fired people, ran a profitable company. So that kind of business balance, you know, make the noise, get the attention, have the doors open, and then have somebody who can hold people accountable and make sure you're actually delivering, you know. How do you find that balance? Who's been your kind of your back-end support or who have you worked with historically to help you, you know, deliver on everything you're bringing? Well, that's a great, that's a great message and a great question as well. I'm a really firm believer in hiring people to help that otherwise wouldn't have been given the opportunity. Um, if I'm looking for a great video editor for podcasts, I'm going to go find someone who, you know, not necessarily that's what's on their resume. I'm going to find someone who's completely outside of the box. And in this case, um, if you take, if you take like our office in the Philippines, right, where we have editors and support people and, and we're able to, for, for each $1, that is 40 Filipino pesos. So you, your money goes so much further in supporting someone in another country than it does in hiring somebody in the U.S., so I'm a huge proponent of hiring people overseas that wouldn't normally be hired for this kind of role to get a shot and an opportunity at working for a U.S.-based company that is on a mission like, like we are. So I'm really proud to say that we're, we're, we're fueled by several different countries, Mexico, Philippines, Europe. And I, I think that is the world that we need to embrace as entrepreneurs um, is a is a more diversified workplace and diversified globally. Um, I think gone are the days where you know you're going to have the seventy five thousand dollar a year hipster come work in your office and they're going to waste three hours you know 
It's just, it's not going to happen. It's not sustainable anymore. Or that guy can work for you, but they need to know how to leverage tools, tech, other resources. I think we all have to become a little bit more quarterbacks, you know, well, that guy enabled. should be responsible for managing 10, 15 people, virtual assistants, like hundred percent. Yeah, we're seeing that in insurance too. Uh, one guy I'm real good friends with, I'm going to have on the pod, I think next, I'm not sure, maybe one, there's actually, sorry, there's one more person ahead of time. He's got developers in Argentina and then I was speaking to his assistant, she's in South Africa and she helped us coordinate, you know, I didn't realize my buddy is running like a global company out of Texas. It was pretty cool to see. Absolutely. And, and th the ability for anybody listening to start a global company right now, completely unprecedented, but I'm going to give you the formula where please, please take this advice. If you're listening is to lead with relationship building. I personally think that starting a sales cast is the best way to do that and then build community around that. And then three is to go into sales mode, sales mode, sales mode, sell it first, build it second. I, I've seen a lot of entrepreneurs get into the trap of if they build it, if we build it, they will come. That is not going to happen. It does not happen. It, it, does, it never happens. If you build it, they will come. Um, the faster you can get to sales and the, the, then you build then you build something. And I, I know that it seems a bit out of order, but the, the, the sales is like the battery for your business. Um, it, it is the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. There is no business unless something is being sold. And that is the innermost layer. And then you continue to build the sales support around that, which includes product. Um, anyway, I'm, I'm ranting. So I'll, no, I'll stop I like now. that. I call it reps and iteration and not just not getting asked out. Like if you're playing poker, just staying at the table. Mm. I heard that in order for a startup to be successful, you're going to have to have developers in-house or outsourced in a way that's quasi in-house just because you won't know what you're doing out the gate. You're going to have to test it. You're going to have to get feedback. You're going to have to iterate. Um, you know, it's funny relaunching this brokerage. I actually felt kind of like mellow about it. I wasn't up and I was like, Oh, it might actually be successful this time. You know, there's not like a high, you know, it's kind of, um, it's understanding the journey in the marathon as opposed to like an artificial goal you put in your mind, even though I'm enjoying chasing my podcast downloads, but I do agree and kind of see where that can be a little shallow. Yeah. When, when, when I start to chase views and podcast downloads and all of those things, I feel like I'm chasing the mag magic dragon, like a drug addict or something, just trying to get that big dopamine hit of, oh, that got 10,000 views. Whoa. But what did that, what did those 10,000 views really boil down to? And what, what type of relationships did it help me further? Um, it's a, it's a conversation I have to have all the time with my clients, especially people that are just new to coming into our family here is totally changing your mindset from, you know, trying to take from the social word world and instead trying to give, for instance, the first thing that I usually have people do is install a newsfeed eradicator on Facebook and LinkedIn. It gets rid of your newsfeed completely when you try and log into the platform, because from this day forward, you are no longer a social media consumer. You're a social media creator. <laughs> 
No, I love it, man. There's got to be somebody kind of keeping the ball moving. And my two cents on social media is people are going there to kind of get away and be distracted. So I try to keep it light, try to keep it upbeat. And then I always say, if I run into like life problems or something I got to figure out, I figure it out with my buddies. You know, I don't feel like mm. social media is a, a dumping ground. Um, I might try to pivot real quick. So we're both big advocates for Orange County and for startups around here. I do like the idea of using this place as a launching pad. I think it's a draw for a little bit more seasoned professionals. Mm -hmm. But the thing that's tripping me out about COVID is I used to always argue for Orange County being an hour from LA, hour from San Diego, hour flight to Vegas or San Francisco. I'm like, it's an underappreciated hub. Um, I don't think location is going to matter as much on the flip side of this. You know, even the way you built your company already kind of, you know, makes location a little less relevant. You know, what do you think? Maybe one about Orange County startups, and then two about location in general, you know, what you're kind of seeing. Okay. So here's what, here's a dose of reality for the people that are listening. In your life, you can only handle one variable, maybe two variables. And then you need the constant. And then your success formula is the variable times the constant and at whatever rate that variable continues to grow, that's usually your success in business as an entrepreneur, right? In this case, having a physical location as your, as your constant in business is no longer relevant. Requiring your constant to be people showing up in an office and doing meetings and all this if that's your constant, you better let go of that real quick. Instead, find constants in other things like your daily habits, build constant and consistency at home, and let the variable factor be something a lot more exciting in your business. Um, and I know that might be not be the clearest example, but if you start to think about what in your life is a constant and what in your life is a variable, you'll start to see that a lot of what you thought needed to be a constant before no longer has any relevance as a constant. It's actually a variable. Now that makes sense to me that habits become the outcomes. One of the best things to happen for me was with COVID I've been running every day and it had been years since I've been doing that. I've probably missed two days since COVID started. Uh, but, but that routine has kind of helped me look at my schedule, plan my day, prioritize. Um, but yeah, I'm a big fan of rhythms. Um, but yeah, do you think Orange County is kind of underappreciated as a startup scene? And you're the only person I've seen really glue it together with the OC Tech Happy Hours. Um, and I, oh, I don't yeah, think that was your question, right? Yeah, no, no, County. you're good. And I don't think it's actually a terrible thing that like, you know, Scott Fox is doing his thing, Carrie's doing his thing, I have my buddies. I actually think a diverse ecosystem is kind of helpful because not everyone's going to plug in with the same group or tribe. You know, we all communicate differently, operate differently. You know, and hopefully that's just more places for people to plug in. Yes. When I came in, when I came to OC, um, I came here by accident. I was competing in collegiate level hackathons and I attended um, Hack UC Irvine. And it was held at a, a co-working space called People Space here in Irvine across the street from where I am now at the Eureka building. And I ended up staying there for the whole summer to build out, to help build a VR company, to help build some video games and ultimately I met a business partner and then we decided to go and create a crowdfunding agency but concurrently I saw a big gap in Orange County in the market 
for the social startup scene. I saw a lot of groups, but I, then I, I also saw like, Hey, I just, I want a fun place where people can get together and it's no pressure. There's no pitches. It's like, let's just hang out. Um, I originally reached out to like the new courtyard Marriott in the spectrum at the time before the new nicer Marriott was built. And I asked if we could host there. They wanted to charge us a ridiculous fee. The only place that did not say no was the Fashion Island Hotel's Aqua Lounge. They literally offered to give us the entire place for the evening. And it's a nice, if you don't live in Orange County, that is like the nicest possible place. That is the only place that didn't say no. And so we held our first event there. And I remember just maxing out my credit card, buying people drinks. I was so excited that a single person showed up and it, it grew from there. It was the social thing for, for startup people to be involved with, whether you're an engineer or a, uh, uh, an investor, um, an, act, an, an entrepreneur, a designer. And it, it was kind of hard when, when, uh, like as a as a curator of the community, I had to I had to ask some people to to walk away and say I I don't know if this is the right place for you, um, because they would just look at as their look at the group as their lead generation pool, um, and look I don't care if you're in real estate or w- whatever industry you're in, just lead with value and if all you're doing is just trying to sell people. It, I had to have a couple of tough conversations saying, Hey, this is not the place, but it was really fun on that first event. We were supposed to do like startup demos. So people are bringing their, like they're bringing TVs and stuff into the aqua lounge and plugging them in. And, and like, we had like a startup demo showcase and like the nicest lounge in orange County at like one of the most expensive hotels. Um, and that really set the, that set the standard. I knew at that moment that it was a simple formula have a nice environment, give people a couple of drinks, something to loosen them up, um, have some music and, and, and the rest pretty much played out. We expanded into doing different types of um, uh, speaker events. So we had several founders of billion dollar companies, angel investors, everything from Andreessen Horowitz to Tom Bilyeu of Impact Theory to Brock Pierce of, of uh, cryptocurrency fame. I mean, you name it, we featured it. We featured some of the best technology before anybody else was in terms of augmented reality and virtual reality. And I I always had this feeling of unification. I just want to bring people together and get them to, 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 to hang out, whether you're a hundred millionaire or you're just getting started. I wanted to create an equal playing field for everyone. Oh, that's rad, man. And to your point or to your credit, I probably met you four years ago when we were doing like an insure tech hang, maybe just became broker brews. Nobody showed up. I was working a goofy inside sales job at the time. And, you know, I still felt like I had your full attention when we were talking and you offered, you know, connect on LinkedIn, share some like group building stuff. So I know you've always came at it from a genuine place. And it's interesting for me to hear about your programming background in the crowdfunding platform, because I kind of knew that was there at some level, but I've always thought about you as like kind of a media and a marketing guy now, but it's interesting mm-hmm. that the fundamentals were, you know, programming back in the day. That's where you got your own launch. Yeah. Take your vitamins. Right. I, I learned, I learned pretty quick. Um, I had to freelance to survive starting at about 17 years old. That was my sole source of income. So I, I literally started out in life as an entrepreneur 
And then earlier in life, I got some of my initial sales training by selling things that were less than legal. So, um, <laughs> uh, you know, some of the selling, best business people I know have a similar story, you know, you know, selling, selling gum at school, selling weed. It is what it is, but we, we had to get by. Um, Dude, all the greatest salespeople <laughs> I've known were usually latchkey kids getting themselves home, learning how to watch out for themselves, providing for themselves. You know, um, my parents were there, but dual income house and they just, you know, I looked out for my little brother a lot. I think that kind of gave me my ability to pay attention, you know, since, since then I've, I've made several amends. Um, anyway, but later on in life, um, I start, I, I freelance to survive. And as a digital artist, um, I was able to sort of mix that with code. The, the, this, the, the thing is I knew exactly what I wanted to do in life in the sixth grade. I had a computer lab teacher named uh, Vince Campy. And when he introduced us to Adobe Premiere, introduced us to Photoshop, introduced us to uh, Dreamweaver and Flash, I realized that I could take my drawings and I could make them animations and I could make web pages and code them and make action script. And he introduced me to WordPress. And I remember, you know, parent teacher conference, my, my adopted guardian at the time um, asked him like point blank, you know, because he was saying to her, Hey, you know, he's super creative. He could 100% make a career in this. Uh, she says, well, you know, is it going to pay well? Is it going to be a great career? And he said, absolutely. Hell yes. So I technically knew on the spot in sixth grade, exactly what I wanted to do in life. Um, and then really developed those skills by freelancing and then selling it first. Okay. I'll sell, uh, you know, I'll build you a website, but it's going to cost you, it's going to cost you a thousand bucks and I'll go figure out how to build it. And then I did. Um, videos, social media, you name it, um, UI, 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 UX for app designs, um, you know, whatever it was. And I could, and it was part of something called startup. It was just so exciting. Um, being in Santa Monica, Venice area during that time, I'd had a, a, a an apartment the size of a walk-in closet. I slept on a plank of wood pretty much suspended from the ceiling and my friend slept below. We didn't have a bathroom. There was a shared bathroom on each floor. Um, but I was so excited to be around um, all these exciting companies. Wow, I'm really ranting. No, I like, I like it, man. And that's not a cheap area. A, a closet in Santa Monica is a nice apartment anywhere else in the country, you know? So the, the closet itself was roughly $1,100 a month. And let's just say it was a third the size of my office right now my freaking office and it was it was the size of my closet today um and two people there and then we had a third person a rapper named lit nift who would come in and he would bring shrooms or hash or some sort of weird drug and um him and my roommate would partake and, and do rap battles all night and i was trying to sleep so i could go to school the next day <laughs> that's awesome man no there's it's funny how like i don't know it, 
people have interesting stories and there's usually a grind. Like I haven't heard of like the perfect path yet for somebody who had a pretty cool outcome. You know, there's always a perfect path. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, for me, just been around sales my whole life. It was copiers and it was office moves. And while I was doing office moves, I was friends with a, a investment banker for Wells Fargo, who's also a programmer. And then mm. he uh, created a data visualization app called Numberscribe that was just kind of ahead of its time and bankers didn't want to use it. I think he just was in the wrong market too. I still feel like if he was in more of a startup community, um, the thing might've had legs, but that was just so fun and interesting. And as a creative person myself and as a salesman, like working on the unknown, trying to make something happen, it's just a rush, you know, it's so much different than pushing a widget, you know, and I think that's where I caught the startup bug. Yeah. If, if I could add, you know, that, that, that startup bug, really did not start out. It did not have the best of intentions attached to it. I'm going to be honest with you. I wanted to get rich and by wanting to get rich, um, you know, I thought that was going to bring me all the pleasures and happiness in life. Um, I, I thought that by getting rich, that was my way to get back at the world um, for, for, you know, having lived a tough life, but tough in comparison with the rest of the world, where even the poorest person in the United States is in the top 1% globally, like it puts that into perspective for you. So I was never, um, it, it's like, it's hard to say, okay, I, I had a tough upbringing. It's but all relative if, though. If, if, if you look at it as the relative upbringing yeah. for the United States, yes, I, I had it kind of rough. But I, I wanted to get rich. This was my way out. I was told that I needed to be like Mark Zuckerberg and have a Facebook and, and become a billionaire by the age 23. Um, and so I was really, I was really on this track that I thought that that was me. That was the future that I wanted. And it landed me in a lot more trouble than you may think. A lot of it's in my book called, called profit. I would, I would recommend taking, taking it up. But in, in summary, it wasn't until I stopped caring about trying to build this tower of like, here's why I want to get rich and here's the company I want to build and I, 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 I. That did not change until I had, a, a, honestly, it, it forced me into a rock bottom moment drinking, using drugs. I was sued for an ungodly amount of money. Um, my wife wanted to leave me at some point. And I remember just getting to my knees and praying to a God that I'd never really known and, and looking, looking up on paper, all the success you could imagine an 8,000 member community networking group, you know, the, the, cool high-rise apartment with 20-foot ceilings, the cars, uh, a beautiful wife, this, uh, you know, ath athletic endeavors and, and vacations and trips and all this. But inside was just a pitch black, dark mess. Um, that was the, the day that started this journey of learning how to serve others. And um, yeah, I, I'm... I think you're doing it, man. You're yeah. killing it. And I appreciate you sharing the journey. I actually got to get into that book. Um, to me, as a comparative religions major, who's probably more philosophical than his own good, it just sounds like a hero's journey. You know, like you, you go, you chase the wrong thing, you realize it, that moment of reconciliation, pulling yourself out of the darkness and climbing towards what's worth climbing to, man. I don't know. I commend you for 
the boldness to stay open. You know, there have but been people every every yeah, those heroes' journeys, like there it really reaches the 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 beautiful moral of the story. Like, what did this hero learn? They learned how to create a mission larger than themselves. It's it's something that is going to impact others, which is why today, like my mission has very little to do with me. It's to work closely with the top 10 change makers globally and use the art of story to transcend barriers and empower 100 million people to step out of isolation and into acceptance, step into a feeling of love and community the, the hardest part when I was going through all that pain was feeling like I was the only person on the planet that was going through it. That's not the case. Yeah, man, I'll definitely get sales cast in there in the notes and I'll have a <laughs> few other things where I connect you. But I think you're teeing up that expression for the everyman, for the non-tinker, for the person who is passionate about something and trying to connect. I like dabbling and I've seen all this be so incredibly helpful, creating my own website I control over, creating a podcast, learning how to use YouTube. It has done more for my career than probably any sales book I read. You know, I don't know how to explain it, but just getting myself out there. And I, you know, I commend you on wanting to push other people out there, you know, same way that's helped you out. And, um, but yeah, man, we'll definitely do this again and I'll have to hop back on your podcast sometime, but how should people get a hold of you? How should they, uh, chase you down if they want to start a conversation? Yeah, right now, the best way is on salescast.co. So S A L E S C A S T.co. You can literally book a time directly in my calendar on that website and we can talk about anything you want. Um, but ultimately, I'm going to convince you that you need to start your own show. And whether that's me that helps you or you're a self-starter, I 100% believe that if you're selling anything, you have to completely change the way that you're doing your prospecting and instead change it into relationship building. And uh, I can't recommend connecting with Chris Decker enough. Take him up on that offer. Hop on that Calendly. Um, if you're busy, your company's making money, you want another way to amplify it, I think SalesCast is the way to go. If you're a tinker like us too, you know, you'll enjoy our creative conversation, but I appreciate you coming on, Chris. We'll, uh, we'll talk again soon. Thank you. Thanks for letting me go deep. And if um, any of you are interested, uh, the book that I wrote is called Profit, stands for People, Revenue, Offering, Faith, Insurance, and Time, uh, a story about how I recovered from drugs and alcohol and then recovered in business as well. Now you're the man. I can't wait to pick that up myself. I feel overdue, <laughs> but looking forward to checking it out and talk to you soon, brother. Take care. Uh -huh.